Mothers deserve the absolute best. So this Mother's Day, spoil the moms in your life with little luxuries from Osea. Osea's skin and body care is the perfect way to remind all the moms, mother figures, caregivers, grandmothers, and mother-in-laws in your life to make time for themselves. If you have been looking for the perfect gift, I recommend Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil. I've been using it for years and it seems like every single time I apply it, I get compliments on my skin. This body oil is rich, but it's never greasy and it's clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity. Your skin will feel more sculpted and toned and you'll be left feeling silky, soft and glowing. Another favorite of mine is the Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Ever since I've been using collagen, I have noticed a difference in my skin. In fact, it's never been better. Using Osea's body oil and lotion together is a mega moisture duo, giving you a full body glow. Osea's products are infused with our signature Andaria seaweed, but it's also clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Really just a perfect gift for yourself, the moms in your life, and even the planet. Spoil the moms in your life with clean, vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. Hi, and welcome to another episode of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. I am so beyond excited to be talking to you today from home and I am off, which is very strange. And you know, when I say I'm off in my book, it means that I am not in the middle of a retreat. I'm not in the middle of a teacher training. I don't have a huge group of people here um, demanding my attention at the studio and I don't have any trips booked in the near future. I am just home. And this is a really interesting and sort of strange feeling for me to have after what has been two and a half months non-stop of uh, really, 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 really intense work for me. So we started at the very beginning of October. Uh, We had a retreat and then we had barely a week off and then we had a 23-day teacher training and then we had no time off and then we dove into another retreat. And then the day after that retreat ended, I flew to Los Angeles for uh, a big photo shoot over there. So it's been, it's been a really crazy fall <laughs> for me. And I don't know how it happened that all of this was booked at the same time. Somehow when we were planning the schedule of next year, it just sort of had to be this way. I'm not sure. And looking at it all now, it was actually really beautiful that it happened so intensely. We were able to just kind of drop in and be in the zone and and rock all of these programs here. And it's been amazing and beautiful and so, so, so wonderful in so many ways. Um, but have you ever had that feeling when, when you've been working really hard for a long time and you start getting used to operating on a certain level of energy um, when you just go, 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 go all the time? That's kind of how I've been <laughs> this this entire fall. I'm wondering if it's sort of what I've been my entire life, maybe a little bit. Um, But specifically this fall, that's what it's been. I've been operating at this sort of superhuman level of of doing everything and working so hard and um, teaching insane amounts of hours every day and just holding space for so many people that now that it's over, I don't really know what to do with myself. (laughs) It's 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 real. You know, have you ever gone on vacation and then, you know, it takes you a couple of days to actually start 
arriving at a place where you're enjoying your vacation because sometimes that's how wired up or wound up we are about things. That's the space I am in right now. So I'm so looking forward to little by little, day by day, being able to relax and wind down a little bit more. But I'm still kind of in this wired space, which is which is really interesting. Um and I'm not, I'm not used to feeling that way. So we don't have a trip coming now until end of March. So we have almost four months, yeah, well, three and a half months of no trips uh, and no retreats, no programs, no groups. So it's, it's just going to be a long time of, of, of grounding and being home. And it's taking me some time to land in what it means to have just a regular day-to-day routine. And it's the most awesome, beautiful thing. But I'm so used to always having to kind of keep track of what's the next thing. Uh, especially with the baby now that I've been leading all these retreats and having these trainings here. I've had, you know, 30 minutes off in between classes or 45 minutes here and there where I've rushed home and, and nursed her or just try to have 10 minutes to be with her. Um, I've just been running back and forth from the studio the whole time. So just having this time in my head all the time where, okay, my next thing is in one hour. And now I have no next thing. <laughs> it's almost... It's almost scaring me a little th- a little bit. I mean, I have a lot of things I have to do. Like I'm in the middle of writing a book and I'm still, you know, teaching classes at the studio and regular work stuff and, and all of that, you know, fun inbox and email and administrational stuff, which is not really a big deal. But just not having major things requiring or my attention every moment of the day is pretty awesome. So when I'm thinking of it now, you know, what's my next thing? Um, I'm going to meet Dennis and the baby on the beach and play beach tennis. Like that's my next thing today after recording this podcast. So that's a pretty fun thing to look forward to. Um, and I'm trying just to take some time to digest all of this that's been that's been going on because it's been a whirlwind of a couple of months. Um, if you tuned in last week, last week I had my very best friend in the whole world, Olivia, who is here uh, visiting Aruba for a couple of weeks. Uh, she took over the podcast <laughs> and interviewed me instead of the other way around. And how that happened, it was really interesting. We didn't really talk about that that much. She was very graceful. If you haven't listened to the episode, please tune in because she's hilarious. Um, And she didn't really go into this, but I was in such a panic. I, I was listening to our episode. I sound so calm. I sound so collected and composed. I was freaking the fork out. Like you have no idea how much I was panicking. And I was at the house just totally freaking out about leaving the baby. I've never left the baby before. And this was a trip that was, you know, it wasn't an enjoyable trip, so to speak. It wasn't like I had a spa weekend somewhere with a friend where I would get to sleep in and relax and wind down. You know, it was a work trip and it was a 15 hour journey on two flights across an entire continent to stay for 48 hours uh, work and then go back home. So it was very intense. It wasn't something that I was looking forward to. And I had been sort of putting it off. Like I wasn't thinking about it so much because we were so busy uh, leading these groups in this last retreat that I had. So when the day arrived and I realized, wait, I'm leaving, <laughs> I had a full-blown meltdown. And I was talking to Olivia and I said, you know what? I don't think I can do it. I think I have to cancel. I don't think I can do it. I'm hyperventilating. I can't breathe. I don't think I can leave the baby. And I have to go record a podcast and I have to pack and I have to get to the airport. And then she joked and she said, "Ah, just leave it all to me. Like, I'll take care of the baby. I'll make sure that Dennis is okay. And I can just record your podcast. No big deal. Just delegate. You know, she was joking because of course, you know, the podcast is one of the few things every week that I can't delegate. But then I was like, you know what? That's a great idea. 
as you said, should I take over? Should I be the host? I could interview you. And I'm like, okay, awesome. And then within 30 minutes, she had a whole document written up where she had made, like, you know, an introduction. <laughs> she had collected questions off of social media. And she's just such a rock star, you know. Oh, Olivia, if you're listening, I, I love you. And thank you for saving my butt last week because I would not have been able to coherently um, speak of anything without, without guidance. It was really, really hard. So I'm going to touch a little bit on that and on a few things that are surfacing in my life right now and some things that I know we're all um, sort of sitting on, sitting on with or thinking about. So this trip for me that I had, and it was very surreal. I don't know how many mothers out there, what's normal to, you know, leave your baby for the first time. Uh, some people leave their babies really early because you have to go back to work early. And that's just what it is. You know, you don't really have a choice. Um, other people are blessed that they can stay home for a long, 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 long time. Um, so I know there's not really a norm here, but I'm pretty sure that the first time leaving your baby is always going to be a shitty time. I'm just going to take a wild guess and say that that's what it is. So what I did is I, I had a, a big photo shoot, uh, a cover shoot for a big national fitness magazine or wellness magazine in the, in the States. And they reached out and uh, wanted me on the cover, which is really exciting. And it's alongside a few other um, social media influencers, people that I don't know. Um, and I'm not really in the fitness wellness, you know, kind of sphere. I'm not, I, you know, I'm not one of those working out uh, influencers. You know, I do yoga, but mostly I, <laughs> mostly I talk about love and pain and share pictures of my baby. Like that's, that's just what I do. Vulnerability, I think is more my thing. Um, not so much fitness or asana, you know, it's not really what I do anymore. Um, but I was really excited that they wanted to include me this, this major magazine on the cover. So it was one of those things that was, okay, well, I have to say yes. Like this, this is a huge thing. I can't turn this down. Like I have to do it. It was just, yeah, we got, we got to do it. We'll figure it out. And then, you know, it was six weeks or something in the future. And I thought I'll be fine by then. You know, I'll just, I don't have to think about this. It will be such a quick trip. I decided, you know, to not travel with the baby across because from Aruba to LA, it's a crazy flight and put her through, through travel for such a short trip. I said, no, I'll go on my own. She'll be fine with Dennis. You know, I'll pump like crazy and leave an infinite supply of breast milk in the freezer. Everything will be great. And then I kind of compartmentalized this idea that I was traveling and I put it somewhere in the very back of my brain and I did not think about it until the day of. Like, that's totally real. The 5th of December, we wrapped the retreat. Uh, and, you know, at, I think early afternoon, I said goodbye to all the retreaters and then we had a wrap meeting with the team. And then, you know, me and Dennis celebrated at home and had some wine and I fell asleep. And then I woke up in the morning after, you know, two and a half months of these very intense groups at the studio. And I said, wait. I'm I'm flying to Los Angeles alone today <laughs> and I just started completely panicking like completely panicking and I think it was a combination of I was very overwhelmed already and and kind of not burnt out but feeling really really tired like really tired tired kind of drained from from working so hard and, and feeling overwhelmed and, and all of this and then I started panicking about the baby because we hadn't really prepared anything and normally I'm a very not normally, okay, I'm always, I'm a fairly controlling person. So whenever we leave the baby to do anything, you know, I always leave little schedules and I like to write down and make sure that, you know, she's going to eat this at this time and here is how it works and X, Y, Z. And I hadn't done any of that uh, at all. And it's more for me. It's not that Dennis needs it. Dennis is home with the baby alone all the time. He's an amazing dad. He does, after this teacher training, when I was gone for almost a whole month, all day, 
um, he was joking and saying that he's uh, whenever if he went left, he went to the bathroom and he came back in the room. He's like, oh, Looney, did you miss your primary caretaker? <laughs> and he was making so many jokes, you know, like he, she's, he's the person that she saw the most for that month. So it's not about, you know, me not trusting that he is, it can't take care of her, not at all. Um, but me making schedules and pre- prepping and planning, it just helps me um, stay under the impression that I am still in control when I'm not at all. So, but I hadn't done anything, any of those things. So instead of packing and, you know, doing things that I was supposed to do, uh, I sat down and I started writing out this schedule for the days I was going to be away. I was going to be away for three days and nights away from her, but have 48 hours um, flat in LA. And I was writing, you know, okay, so she wakes up at this hour and then she's going to have this meal at that time. And then I start, you know, preparing food for her. (laughs) We have this little like baby steam food steamer thing that's really awesome and I start chopping potatoes and carrots and mushrooms so that I have all the meals that she's going to eat planned out and they're already in the freezer or the fridge before I leave uh and you know I can't remember who was at the house I think one of the girls that works at the studio was like is this really the best way for you to spend your time right now you know and I was like what do you mean I have to make food for the baby like but isn't Dennis like super well aware of how to (laughs) prepare food for the baby? Like, are you kidding? But that's sort of how my brain works. I started going into this overdrive of frenzy. Um, Somehow I packed and then as the hours drew closer to me leaving, I, I got myself so riled up with this total panic that I was legitimately uh, worried that I was going to have a panic attack, like a, a real panic. I've only had a panic attack, I think once or twice in my life. Uh, and it's always been brought, brought on by some, you know, severely intense situations. And I was making myself so nervous, so panicked about leaving that I, I just, I, I forgot how to breathe. <laughs> and somewhere around then I was going to record the podcast and Olivia stepped in and she's like, I got this, let's do it. Um, you know, so that's what you listened to last week, but you can't tell at all because I sound very calm, but on the inside, I was freaking the hell out. And when it came, you know, her last nap came before I was leaving and I knew I was going to leave in the middle of her nap and I'm putting her down for her nap and I'm just holding her close and I start bawling and I just start crying and crying and crying and crying and crying. And it's not really, I don't know if this is a proportionate reaction to leaving your baby for the first time. I would love to hear from other people out there. I always think that I'm I'm kind of the only one who's crazy and intense and alone and, and all that stuff. Um, but that's how I felt. And I, I, I don't know if it's the fear that something's going to happen to her or if it's just a separation, you know, because we've been so close since her birth. It's I mean, she's nine months old. We've had, she had nine months of, 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 you know, growing inside of me and then nine months growing attached to me on the outside, I guess. And then I, I was just going to leave, you know, what was that going to be like? What if she wakes up in the middle of the night and I'm not there and she doesn't stop crying and she's wondering, where am I? you know, am I traumatizing her by leaving her? All these things were going through my mind. And and in the end of the day, I know she's fine, but I wasn't fine, you know? So the funny thing was here is that Dennis was so freaking jealous. Like he was, he couldn't believe it. He said, wait, like you get to have, you get to sleep two full nights in a bed on your own without your mind having to be anywhere else, without waking up in the middle of the night a thousand times. Like you get to sleep. You get to be on a plane. And I flew business class, which is so awesome. He said, you get to fly business class where you can drink like champagne and watch an entire movie. Like you can watch a whole movie undisturbed. <laughs> you can do your emails. You can just sit there and stare into the space and nothing and no one will demand your attention. 
He's like, this is the dream. And then you get to go to LA, you get to see your brother and our friends that are there and you get to shop and you get to do whatever you want. To him, this was the dream, you know, and I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't feeling it at all. There was nothing in that that made me feel excited. I was just dreading everything. So finally, like I left, I, you know, tore myself from the crib and I just, we drove to the airport, I left and I got on the plane and I felt miserable the entire time there. And I did the thing, you know, I had a glass of champagne and I watched a movie, um, I, nothing felt okay. Like it was just crap all the way through. I make it to LA, which was on fire, by the way, not like it was lit. It was awesome and cool. Like it was on fire. <laughs> Los Angeles was burning. I'm sure you guys saw on social media and in the news, all the, all the wildfires that were spreading everywhere. And I was staying in Santa Monica with friends who I haven't seen in a long time. So it was really fun to see them. And then, you know, I should have been way more excited about that than I was. I was just couldn't stop thinking about the baby. And when I get there, they seriously had um, like wet towels pressing up against the crack of the doors because smoke was entering the house. Uh, and that was, you know, I arrived on the day where the wind had turned and it was much, much, much better. And uh, it, it, you could smell this, the kind of little bit of smoke and a little bit of fire in the air, but it wasn't horrible. And they said two days earlier, um, their daughter had woken up in the middle of the night, uh, because she couldn't breathe because it was like a campfire was happening in the house. Like it was really, really intense. So I was arriving in the middle of all of this, which was also really interesting. And I was, you know, on the way there on the plane, I started having all these horrible thoughts and I was thinking, wait, is this a sign? Like I'm leaving my baby for the first time and the gates of hell are opening up. <laughs> I'm just flying into literal fire, into flames. Like this does not feel like a good sign. It feels like an omen. But I made it there. And then funnily enough, so when I was, I had a layover in Atlanta and then a girl that I follow on Instagram, you should follow her. Her name's Katie. Her account is Empowered Birth Project. So it's all photos of birth, uh, birth and breastfeeding. She's a doula. She's super amazing. And this account is a really big account. Um, and right now she's in the middle of a campaign where she's uh, pushing to, to have, uh, I don't want to use the wrong word, not explicit, but yeah, natural photos of natural, of, of birth of every kind allowed on Instagram, the same way the medical community is allowed to share photos of surgeries and body parts and things like that. But for birth, they delete photos and take the post down and they even delete full accounts. So she's in the middle of a big petition there, which is awesome. You should go support it. But I've been following her for a while since I was pregnant. And then she just randomly, and I never met her. We never really spoke, like, really. And she just writes me on Instagram. She's like, hey, you know, I live, like, five minutes away from LAX. If you want a ride, I'm sure you're fine. If you need a ride, I would love to get you from the airport and just, like, talk and, and drive you to where you're going. And I started writing her back this this message. I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. No, that's so sweet. But actually I have everything arranged. Uh, thank you though. That's, that's so kind of, of, of you to offer. And then before I hit send, I was like, all of this is a lie. <laughs> I just wrote like a very clear lie. I did not have jack shit <laughs> prepared. I had no ride. I had nothing. Um, my brother normally picks me up. He doesn't have a car anymore. I don't know how the hell he lives in LA without a car. He doesn't have a car. Uh, and I was arriving really late, like 1130 at night. So I was going to take an Uber or something. I had nothing arranged. So I was like, I paused and I was like, oh my God, this is just a lie. Should I just like wing it and meet this random person that I've never met and, you know, don't know anyone who knows her? Like, you know, yeah, why not? And normally Dennis is the one who always keeps me from do doing this. He really, okay, first of all, he's awkward with all strangers. <laughs> he's, he's awkward with people that we know. Like he's a pretty awkward person as is. If we meet an acquaintance at the grocery store, like he's just the most awkward person ever. I have literally seen him 
swerve in the last second to avoid getting into an elevator because there was an acquaintance of ours in there and he took six flights of stairs up to where we were going to have to av- to avoid small talk because he hates small talk. He's he's such an awkward person. So whenever this stuff happens to us when we're traveling normally, like people reach out a lot wanting to meet or connect or offer us like beautiful favors like this, uh, he always makes me say no because he hates it. Uh, and now I was like, you know what? I'm not even traveling with that. I haven't traveled alone for so long. So I was like, fuck it. Yeah, I'm going to say yes. So I wrote her and said, yeah, you know what? That's really kind of you. I would love a ride if you're up for that. Like she has three kids. I'm like, don't you have something better to do than at midnight drive me across across LA? And she was like, oh, it would be so much fun. So she picked me up, which was an adventure on its own for me, you know, because just to 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 connect with people in that way, which I haven't done in a while. And and it's so needed, kind of, I need to get out of my box a little bit more. She's the sweetest person ever. And then, of course, in the car, the first thing I do is I complain. I said, I can't believe I'm leaving my baby and I feel so horrible and I feel like she's way too young. It was the first thing I said. I feel like it's too early. I'm not ready to leave her. And then she's like, well, um, I had to leave all of my babies, you know, at, I can't remember exactly what she said, I think 12 weeks or something. Uh, and I was like, what? Why? Oh, to, to work. And then, you know, I felt so ashamed because I wasn't realizing my own privilege. Like I'm sitting here with this massive privilege that allows me to stay home with my baby for as long as I want because I am my own boss who, I mean, you know, I'm so, so, so privileged and I'm not even recognizing that. In Aruba, I think, I don't know, three years ago, they gave you six weeks of maternity leave. It wasn't long ago that there was six, you got six weeks off. You had a baby six weeks later, you had to be back at work. Um, now they give you 12 here. So yes, I'm very privileged. And sometimes I'm so privileged and I get very caught up in my own stuff that I forget to look at the state of the world. And it was just a really good little check-in for me. Uh, so the moment she said that, I was like, okay, wait, you know, actually I've been home with my baby for almost nine months. She has an amazing dad that's home with her. She's fine. It's not too early. It's, it's, it's perfect timing. And maybe I should just try to enjoy myself during this weekend now that I'm here. You know, I'm here. I made it. I'm just going to like stop panicking and start enjoying myself. And that's what I did. So thank you, Katie, for giving me some really good perspective and kind of bringing me back to earth, which is like, which I really needed. I tend to spin out and panic, you know, and my brain just goes, goes crazy sometimes. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. As a new parent, it's easy to be overwhelmed with the never-ending concerns about what's safe and what's healthy for your little one. I won't even start on the black hole that is researching these worries online. That's why I'm so excited to introduce you to The Taut. Parents, they have done the research for us. Each product they offer has been carefully researched and tested to ensure it meets the highest standards for safety, quality, and style. Every item given the taut tested stamp of approval. This isn't just an online store. I love the expert articles and taut tested items I find on the taut that help me with the new parenting moments I'm discovering every day. Having these resources all in one place and at my fingertips is beyond helpful. The taut is the premier online destination for all things baby. Whether you're a parent looking for a safe, non-toxic, and hard-to-find products for your tot, or if you're shopping for conscious parents and their little angels this holiday season. Go to thetot.com, that's T-H-E-T-O-T.com, and find unique toys, high-quality children's clothing and maternity wear, nursery decor, and amazing gift selection as well. On top of the tot being the go-to site for smart parents and caregivers, the tot now ships worldwide to over 200 countries. Since my family splits our time between Aruba and Sweden, this news is super exciting. 
it gets even better. Go to thetot.com today for 10% off of your first purchase. That's thetot.com for 10% off of your entire order with the promo code YOGAGIRL. Thetot.com, T-H-E-T-O-T.com, promo code YOGAGIRL for 10% off. Thetot.com, promo code YOGAGIRL. Sometimes in life, skepticism can serve you well. It can save you money, keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation, and help you avoid spreading gossip. To be honest, when I am faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where Ritual comes in. They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Take two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and you'll get nine key nutrients. Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good doing it. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. So after that, there was a big shift actually in terms of me and this trip. Um, I made it. I slept a whole night, which was okay. I didn't sleep. Neither of these two nights did I sleep more than six hours straight, but it was still like a whole night without being half awake or having an ear, you know, listening to, is she waking up or what's she doing? Am I going to have to go over there or what's happening? You know, like, but actual real deep sleep. So when I woke up the next day, I kid you not, I heard the birds chirping. (laughs) Like I woke up. And I laid in bed and it was this big, giant, awesomely comfortable bed at my friends, uh, Kelly and Steven's house, where we always stay when we go to LA in Santa Monica. And the first thing I heard was just a bird outside the window. And I was like, oh my God, it's like, I can hear the birds sing again, you know, just one night of actual sleep. And I felt like a new human being. So I did what I, you know, what I should have done from the first moment. I just started letting go of control, relaxing, kind of, you know, chill the hell out. I put on high heels, (laughs) put on makeup, and I went outside to meet my my friend Jen for for breakfast. And it was the best. Like really from that moment on, I was like, okay, I'm in Los Angeles. I have friends here. I have so many fun things to do. I'm here for a shoot with a major magazine. Like I'm so great, so privileged. I should just be so grateful to be here. So had a really, really good first day when we were there. It was a really, it was a really interesting trip overall. Um, I saw Jen. I'm sure you guys know Jen Pasloff. I have a podcast episode with her. It's one of our most uh, listened ones. You should totally listen to it if you haven't already. It's called No Bullshit Motherhood. And then we had the weirdest thing happen. Okay, so if you follow me on, on social media or you follow my Instagram stories, I'm sure you heard this. But we were sitting at a, at a cafe having breakfast, just talking. And she has an 18-month-old little Charlie's a year and a half. 
and he's a boy and he's a toddler. And I don't know any toddlers that aren't, you know, that don't run around or that, you know, like Luna now, she's nine months. She's so vocal. She shrieks for things. She She's never still. Um, like today, within the span of, I think, a minute, I had to pull like five different things out of her mouth that she was trying to pick up that she could have choked on. Like it's insane all over the place. I'm running after her all the time and she doesn't even walk on her own yet. She has to hold on to stuff to walk around. Um, so I can't even imagine what it's going to be like when she walks on her own. So we were at this restaurant um, or at this cafe and then Charlie, you know, he's trying to run around and he's being loud, but he's not a bad kid. Like he's just a child. He's totally, totally normal 18 month old. And then, you know, Jen is holding him kind of for most of the breakfast. It's really clear. Like, it's not easy being a mom. It's not like she's sitting there ignoring him while we are engaged in this deep conversation. uh, And he's just going berserk. Like, you know, she's very actively um, doing what she can to get Charlie to, to, to calm down and to sit. No big deal. And then this guy, this older, I don't know, grandpa looking guy, like wearing this grandpa sweater. He comes over like very clearly to talk to Jen and he has this big smile on his face and he leans in really close. And Jen, she's a, she's a pretty known writer and um, she has a social media presence and she's, I call her the, the celebrity magnet. Like she's somehow randomly friends with every celebrity I know. I, I don't know how, um, but I just assumed like, okay, this is a guy who's like a fan of hers. Like he must know her writing or, you know, he's going to lean in to give her a compliment because he has this big smile on his face and he leans in really close. And then he tells her, you know, you are not doing that child any favors by allowing him to behave in this horrible manner. And Jen, who's normally a very fiery person, she just like her mouth just drops open and she just stares at this guy. And I immediately, I was like, no, no, this is not happening. Like, you're kidding. You're not a real, this is not real. You did not just walk across the restaurant to tell a mother how to raise her child. Like, no, no, this is not real. Like, you're joking, right? You're joking. And the guy's just like, I have children. Like, you're not doing him any service letting him behave in this horrible manner. And Jen was like, well, what do you suggest? Like, what should I do? Are you fucking kidding me? And then he just walked away. And I was like, I cannot believe the audacity of some people. Like, are you kidding? And is that a Los Angeles thing? I don't know. (laughs) It's definitely never, I don't know. I've never seen anything like that before. I felt like that's just, you know, stories that you hear, but who actually has the guts and the kind of audacity to do that? Where's the kindness? You know, it was really clear that she was struggling Uh, struggling there with him, doing her very, very, very best. Like, where's the kindness? Come on, man. Come on, guy. I don't know. I kind of wish I had a better comeback for him somehow. And then his response was, I have children. Okay, like, how are they doing? (laughs) You know, just because you've fathered babies does not make you an expert on all things parenting and does not make you, does not give you the right to judge someone in that horrible manner. So, yeah, guy in the grandpa sweater from Le Pan on uh, second. Uh, fork you. <laughs> you suck. Anyway, moving on. So after that day, and here's where things got like kind of kind of intense. So that happened. And then uh, I saw a friend, another friend of mine for lunch and kind of had a nice day, went shopping a little bit for Christmas. And then I saw my brother. And this is so, like, you guys have never really been introduced to my brother. My brother is not a social media person at all, at all. Um, He's been living in LA for the past, I want to say, eight years. 
He is, yeah, eight years. He's 27, so he's been there since he was 19. He's a musician. He plays classical and electric guitar. And he's, yeah, he's the most talented guitarist like you've ever met. He's so talented. It's crazy. He went to music school there and then stayed and is now teaching music. And he's in a band and all he does is just music. That's what, that's his whole life over there. But he's never been on the podcast. I would have loved to have him on the podcast. Like he's such an yeah, he's, he's an amazing guy, super good looking, super sweet, awesome human being. And then somehow, so I haven't seen him in a long time. He's never met the baby. He's in the middle of getting his green card. Uh, and up until you have it approved, they don't let you leave the country. So he's in this like weird gray area where he can't leave. Um, yeah, so he's never seen the baby, which is a super big bummer. So I haven't seen him since like pre-pregnancy, so a long time. And we're having such a nice time and it's so nice to see him. And then we stop at the end of the day and we sit down to have a drink before dinner. And somehow, like, I don't know how, I can't, I cannot for the life of me remember if I instigated or if he did, we start talking about politics. And, you know, I love my brother. Like my brother, he's, he's my only, uh, you know, I have seven siblings, but he's my, the only sibling where I, we share both parents the same. So um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like I grew up with all my siblings, so, uh, I don't consider any of them half, you know, half, I have a lot of half sisters, I guess, but I don't consider them that at all. It's all the same. But anyway, but he's the only one where I have the same mom and the same dad. And we start talking about politics and somehow, I guess through his years of living in the States and, you know, he's clearly like he's grown up into this adult person. Um, with his own views of the world and his own ideas and his own thoughts of, of stuff. And it's just, I was so shocked to find out that it doesn't align at all with what I believe in. And we've never discussed politics in that way before, like never really. And I don't know, I guess I think we started talking about feminism or maybe the Me Too movement because the big blog that I shared online with all the Me Too stories from the yoga world had just come out and uh, a lot of journalists were approaching me from different uh, different media outlets wanting to investigate and move further with the story and all this stuff was happening. So I think maybe from there. And we got into a ginormous political fight, like a, like a legitimate fight. It wasn't even a discussion anymore, a fight. Like I was crying at some point trying to get my point across because I got so emotional. It was horrible. It was so intense to the point where there was a woman who was sitting at a or another table, like two tables away, when we had like a gap in the conversation because the, the mood was so, the vibe was so horrible. It was like we were sitting there hating each other because we couldn't get along about anything. Our views are so opposing about everything from, I don't know, we talked about like feminism and uh, abortion and um, immigration and, you know, Donald fucking Trump and all this, all this stuff. And it's just like, I was just so shocked to see that as adults, we've grown so far apart that we have just two totally different ways to look at the world. And instead of reconciling in that difference, or maybe that, you know, that there would have been space for me to learn from him or for him to learn from me, we just got right into this kind of sibling thing, you know, the sibling thing where you kind of know which buttons to push and you just, you can get it. I mean, I don't think you can fight with anyone the way you can have a fight with a sibling. Like, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's very special, very different. Um, and, and we had like this gap in the conversation where we just sat there, like arms crossed across our chest, just silently hating each other. Like what the hell? And then this woman at another table, she was like, um, I have no idea what language you guys are speaking. Cause we're speaking in Swedish, but I know this discussion 
every family in the continental US is having this discussion right now. Families have been broken apart by politics, like by these very same discussions that are happening right here, right now. Um, and I don't know what your relationship is. Like, are you guys together or married? You know, like we look at like we're the same age. Are you guys going to be okay after this? And my brother goes, well, actually, no, this is my sister. He's like, she's like, oh, well, you definitely cannot afford to lose each other. Are you kidding? You know, like get back to what you agree on and start talking about things, you know, the common ground that you have because you have it. And she was, you know, sort of helping us get our stuff in check a little bit because that's how intense it was. As you could tell, even in Swedish, what we were fighting about and how things, you know, work. And for me, this was a really big eye opener. Like, I was really saddened of a lot, of course, about the fact that we don't have the same viewpoints, and I don't want to get in on them now. But so my brother reads a lot. He reads a lot of economy and um, yeah, books on finance and like economy. And he's kind of against the structure of government. I think overall. Um, which leads to having a lot of really opposing views when it comes, you know, trickling down to to other things. Um, so it was, but it was really, really hard for me because I feel like I'm fighting this big fight um, in a lot of ways. Like I've sort of become this activist and this, I want to be a spokesperson for things that I believe in. And it was different a couple of years ago. I wasn't, I would steer away from talking about anything. I shared right before the election uh, last year, <laughs> You can scroll back to look at this if you want to have a field day in the comment section. So it was a, a little meme and it was just a pink like background and it said uh, Donald Trump and then it said uh, Donald T and then it said Don T don't. <laughs> so it was like going from Donald Trump to don't. Uh, and I wrote something like very simple about, you know, because for me, coming from where I come from, coming from the background that I have, growing up the way I grew up, for me, it was just a very obvious thing that this did not seem like a proper candidate. Like, that was just my viewpoint. And I know by just mentioning this now, I'm probably starting another shitstorm, so I apologize in advance. Um, but I just put that out there because I live in a reality where not a single person in my life was a Donald Trump supporter. Like, not a single person had viewpoints or views that uh, that correlate with what he was saying, and specifically in terms of uh, feminism and women's rights and immigration and all these other things. So I was living in this reality, which wasn't real, and it was a good reality check for me, but in this reality where, like, there's no way <laughs> that Donald Trump is going to win this election. Like, this is ridiculous. Who could possibly vote for him? Because that was the news that I was ingesting, and that was the viewpoints that I sat with, and I had never had them contended ever. And holy forking shirt, <laughs> like holy shit! Uh, I that that was it was it was insane. It was one of the first things I've only had actually two Instagram posts in my life. I think that I've really regretted. That was one of them. The second one was uh, the vaccination post uh, that I posted when when Luna was two months old, because of the personal attacks that I was. Uh, yeah, that, that came my way after I shared those things. It was just so intense, so overwhelming, so much hate in that comment section. It was, and I was not prepared for it at all, you know. And then, I think since then, I have taken more of a stand and I've become more anchored in my beliefs. I do a lot of research these days. Like, I know what I talk about when I talk about things. I don't just dive into a discussion without really um, knowing anything anymore. So, 
I feel much more confident to speak up about politics and speak up about things that I really believe in now than I did then. But then, you know, I posted that and I was like, oh my God, I had thousands of people unfollow me, you know, women and, and men and people that were supporting Trump and for, you know, for, for a variety of reasons. And now we're here. It's not even a, a year later. Is it a year later? I guess it is a year later, almost exactly a year later. I don't know how, you know, these people feel today or what's changed or what hasn't, but it was a big kind of shock for me to sit with a family member that I love so much, knowing that there are just some basic fundamental um, views about life that, that where we cannot agree with each other at all. And there's nothing I can say to get him to arrive at that place. There's nothing that he can say to get me to arrive at that place. But we just have this big gap here. And it really sort of broke my heart a little bit. I don't know, um, I don't know how else to phrase it. You know, and it's okay to feel differently. It's okay to have different viewpoints. Like we need to have different voices and different opinions um, for there to be in a debate, for there to be change, you know. And I know fundamentally, like when you get down to the basics of everything, yeah, of course we have the same, we share the same fundamental idea and view of the world. Like, of course, for equality and for human rights and, and all this stuff. It's just, yeah, his ways of getting there, I guess, are very, very, very different from mine. And I think sitting, also sitting on the side of the table as a white man, I think it's also different. Uh, and I, what I was trying to share is, you know, it's really, really hard to explain what it's like to be a woman in this world. And then he was countering and he said, well, what ha has ever happened to you? Like, you're the most privileged fucking person on earth. And I said, yeah, hell yeah, I am. Like, yeah, I am not, you know, I'm a minority in the fact that I'm a woman. You know, there's more women than men in the world, but in the, in the case of living in a patriarch, patriarchal society where, yes, um, women have been suppressed for, for centuries. Like, yeah, I have a lot of shit that has come my way. A lot. Like, you cannot even begin to understand. I don't think as a white man, just at the way from where you're sitting right now, you're not going to understand because you're not going to be able to know what it's like to walk in my shoes and how normal many of these things have been. You know, and it was really hard to, for him, for him to understand. And I had, I could ask and a really basic question. I said, you know, how many of your, of your friends, of your guy friends have been raped? Like, can you answer me that? Well, none. Yeah. The answer was none. How many friends do I have that have been raped? Seven that I know of, you know, and I'm definitely pretty sure that the answer is way higher than that. You know, how many friends of mine have, uh, are victims of sexual harassment and, ab and abuse? all of them. <laughs> like there was not a single woman. I couldn't find a single person, uh, adult person that wasn't a survivor of some sort of harassment or abuse throughout their lifetimes. So I said, it's really hard to know what it's like to be a woman. And of course, like I'm not a black woman. I'm not a Hispanic woman. I'm not, there's people out there that holy shit can talk circles around me in terms of privilege. And, you know, I, I'm sitting in this very, very privileged side of the table as well. And I'm well aware of that, but I want to use my voice to to make a change if I can make one. So this just left this whole conversation, like left this really odd taste in my mouth. And it just, I don't know. It, it made me sort of realize that. And then this election came up, you know, the Alabama Senate um, with Roy Moore and everything that was going on where I just, for the first time realized, you know, the people that are voting for the guy who is the accused child molester, like not that my brother would vote for that guy, like not at all, but there's people in this world where, where this is just a totally common thing, you know, that don't know what it's like to sit on that other side, that don't think even, they don't even think about, about the repercussions of the actions that we take. 
the fact that it's important that when I vote, like that I do the research and I find out where am I casting my power as an individual right now and knowing how this is literally splitting families apart, splitting nations apart, splitting different people from across the world, like putting us on these separate ends of the spectrum, creating more and more divide, like that really, really breaks my heart. And I was, I'm thinking of it now and I'm trying to think of, okay, instead of having this divide between me and my brother, how could I have created more, more common ground, like more, how could I have taken that woman's advice that was at the next table to find more common ground and to, to unite in a way. And we were not able to do that at all which was super sad, super, super sad. So at the end of the day, we just had to put like a lid on it. We didn't finish anything. We didn't even end with like a hug or like, okay, let's agree to disagree. Like, no, it was really bad, (laughs) really bad. Um, And then we went to dinner and then, you know, like a couple hours passed and then we were fine again. Like we're fine now. It's fine. Of course it's fine, but it's not fine. I don't know. And it's making me think, you know, it's also the people that I speak to and the people that are uh, also as a, as a yoga teacher, the people that come to my classes, the life that I lead, the type of people I interact with every day, um, the people that follow me on social media, you know, we're, we're a very certain type of person in this community. I don't spend a lot of time interacting with people whose views completely oppose mine. So how can I actually be a bridge for that divide if I never interact? with people from the other side. Like, how can I actually bridge that if I'm not engaging? So I guess at the end of the day, that's why it's good that we're having these conversations and that we're having these discussions. What I'm struggling with is finding that space where where we end in a place where we can remember our common humanity and really remember the love that sits at the bottom of everything. Because no matter what we believe in, Every single person, no matter what their viewpoints are, you know, there is something in them that believes that this is genuinely good, you know, whether that is being, you know, even if that person has completely opposing beliefs than me, something in their life has brought them to those beliefs for a reason. And it's always fundamentally that they believe that this is what's going to do more good for me or protect me or the world or my family. You know, there's always some sort of love at the bottom of everything. And I think we need to remember that. But okay, I got a little sidetracked the way I always do. Um, but that's sort of how that day <laughs> kind of closed for me. At on that note, like I as I was having, and this did not help at all, as I was having this discussion with my brother, um, I called Dennis, or Dennis called to uh just to have a little FaceTime with the baby and to see how things were going. And then he casually mentions, and this is I still cannot believe that he did this, but he casually mentions that, oh, you know, and then Jess, who's a, a girl who works at the studio, she's going to come over and watch her tonight uh, so I can go and play some beach tennis and I can hang out with the guys. And we have never had a babysitter for the baby. We've never had uh, a stranger watch the baby ever. It's only been me, Dennis, or my mom, no one else. No one has ever, you know, picked her up from her crib if she's cried at night, ever. And I've been really nervous about getting a babysitter. And we've said that this is going to be a thing that we decide together. And when we find someone, we'll, you know, of course, like let her get to know the baby and ease the baby into it so that they have a good connection and teach her all these things about how things work. And then move toward having a solid relationship with someone who can watch the baby so we can go out to dinner and stuff like that. But we haven't done any of those things. So I'm gone for literally 48 hours. Like I'm gone for no time. And then he's like, yeah, and uh, Jess is going to come over and she's going to, she's going to take the baby for a couple hours. So no problem. She'll probably be sleeping anyway. And I was like, what? Like, this is not okay for me at all. 
And I would love to hear from other people out there. I don't know. We're still sort of divided in this. He still doesn't think this this was a big deal. For me, this was a huge deal that he we didn't talk about it beforehand and it wasn't a decision that we made together. And I was already over there panicked and, you know, not feeling great about being away. And then I had that kind of good day and then got into this whole thing with my brother and lost my footing. And I was already sort of, you know, I was crying in this discussion with my brother already. And then he springs this on me that, no, we're going to have like this, this strange person who the baby doesn't know, watch her in the night. And I said, what do you mean? Like if she wakes up and she has night terrors or she wakes up and she has like one of those moments of separation anxiety, which she's had several times, uh, the past couple of weeks, like, and Jess is there to pick her up. Like, I love Jess. She's my favorite, like one of my favorite people, but the baby doesn't know her. Like, are you kidding? You know, she's a stranger to the baby. That's, that's not cool. Like, I'm not cool with this. And then, you know what Dennis said? He said, well, you're on the other side of the world, so I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And then he hung up. Like, I I get a little, like, I feel warm right now just speaking the sentence because of how pissed off this made me. Like, I sort of lost my shit there. Okay, so it was, it was kind of a shitty time and all of that, like, around happening. But I could not believe that he would do such a thing. And then, of course, he thought of it as, why don't you trust that I can be in charge and that I can take care of the baby my way? And I said, it's not even about that. Like, I know she'll be fine. She'll probably be sleeping. It'll it'll be okay. But I won't be okay. On the other side of the world, already nervous. You know, please don't do this to me because I'm not going to be okay with it. I'm not going to stop worrying. And I'm going to, you know, it's kind of, it, it will just ruin my last, like, day here. I'm almost home. And, you know, we had this big, big, big fight. We rarely fight like that way like this was a real legitimate fight because he could not understand where I was coming from at all and he said well this fear that you have that something's going to happen it's irrational it's not it's not based in anything real so I'm helping you now he's like you're kind of like the baby bird and you need to be pushed out of the nest now you just need to learn that you can fly like he was trying to make this weird analogy of I have a fear and he's going to help me push past my fear And I said, I understand, but if I have a fear of flying, are you going to take me up to the highest building you can find and push me off? Like, this is what you're doing now. You're creating this massive panic for me. This is just not okay. And it took us a long, like we had to have a long fight on the phone before he was like, okay, I guess I'll stay home. And he still thought that I was completely ridiculous. And it wasn't until I came home and we could have that conversation face to face that he understood just how fearful I am of something happening. And because he's so not, like he's so relaxed, so calm, so, so, so secure. Like I kind of wish I could just live a couple days in his shoes with how at peace and at ease he is with everything. So for instance, now the baby's sleeping through the night. She's, yeah, I guess it took me leaving. So a lot of good things happened like baby wise since I left. Dennis is an amazing dad. Me trusting that everything would be okay. Um, actually, you know, he pulled off some miracles here. He didn't feed her during the night. She didn't ask to be fed during the night even at all. And now she sleeps 12 hour nights. That would not have happened if I was home micromanaging stuff, you know? So his way is a great way. Um, but the fact that he has no fear. So when she slept the first night ever, 12 hours, like I wasn't sleeping because I was constantly waking up wondering why is she not making more noise? <laughs> you know, has she died? Has she stopped breathing? What is going on? Like my mind just won't quit. And, and he doesn't have that at all. Like the man sleeps in peace. He's so chill with everything. And then I'll wake him up. I said, you know, she's been so quiet for so long. And then he's like, well, 
what could possibly have happened? Like, literally, what do you think? Like, tell me the scenario that you believe has happened. Has the baby suddenly learned how to crawl out of her crib and climb out, even though she's never done that ever before? And now all of a sudden she's fallen on the floor and she's hit her head. And he made like a weird <laughs> comparison to a fake thing that's never happened that he thought was like insane. And of course, this put that thought in my head. And I was like, wait. What if that has actually happened? Like, no, I have to go upstairs. I have to go upstairs. I have to check. I have to check that she's alive. And he goes crazy. He's like, relax, relax. And I don't know. I wish I had that total sense of comfort and security knowing that everything's okay. And I just don't, right? So for him, it was a really hard thing understanding. I'm on the other side of the world. He's the one in charge. Everything is fine and it's great. If he wants to go and play some tennis, like who cares? The baby's fine. But for me, it wasn't fine. And it took so much It took a whole fight for me to be able to convince how not fine I was for him to stay home. I had to say, you know, if you want to take every night for the rest of the year, rest of the month and go play tennis, like do that. I'm home the day after tomorrow. Like, please take the next day and just be home so that I can rest assured that everything's okay. But it kind of draw that say it drew that same parallel for me that uh, he can't put himself in my shoes because he doesn't feel that fear. And I can't put myself in his shoes because... I don't feel that relaxed, you know? So when we're talking to each other, trying to convey our viewpoints and trying to make the other person understand what we feel and why we feel it, we just can't meet in the middle because we come from such completely different places. So yeah, it's, it's been a really, like this whole trip for me has been a one ginormous learning. Like when, in terms of communication, in terms of discussion, building bridges and I'm not super great at it. Like I have to, I have to say, I, I have a really, I have a really hard time with all of this. And it took, um, it wasn't until I came home and we could sit down at dinner and I had to, you know, I was crying because I was so distraught at how hard this was for me, really. And he just didn't understand. He just did not understand how hard it was. And I, I'm also really good at keeping kind of a, uh, you know, I keep a cool face. Uh, and I was trying to, to, to be cool, pretend like I was cooler than I was, but I wasn't, you know, I was like, I was a total mess and everything was sucked and it was horrible. And then, you know, after that happened, I decided, oh, I shouldn't have gone to LA. I went to LA. There's fires everywhere. I'm fighting with my brother the whole time. There's this weird guy approaching us to fight with Jen. Now Dennis is fighting with me, wants to bring the babysitter in. Like I can't trust that he's going to respect that I'm panicking and blah, 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 blah. I just totally lost all my shit, all my bearings. And, and that's, that was kind of how my whole LA trip was. Like it was mixed with just some really nice moments, meeting friends and just total mess, like total, total mess, a total mess. And then of course I had the final day, which was the shoot day, which I am smiling now, but this is a podcast on its own. I'm not going to talk about the shoot. Um, actually, I think I sort of kind of mentioned <laughs> which magazine the shoot is with. And it wasn't until I arrived that they told me like, I'm not allowed to talk about it in social media, which no one told me beforehand. So I, I apologize if anybody gets upset. But anyway, I, I can't share too much about that until the cover is out. It's going to be out in March. So I guess end of February or something like that. I can share a little bit more. But the shoot itself was totally, uh, totally surreal. Totally surreal. But I'll, I'll talk about that another time. But as you guys probably knew, if you followed me at all through Instagram, uh, getting home was a nightmare and they canceled my flight. And I thought they canceled my flight because of fires, but they ended up canceling my flight because there was a snowstorm in Atlanta. So I literally went through fire and ice. 
uh, to get home. I was rerouted to Columbus and then finally made it home, you know, hours delayed, uh, still not feeling great. But then it's like we were still sort of fighting throughout that whole last day. Like it was just a mess. Like I didn't sleep for 36 hours. I still had full hair and makeup when I arrived in Aruba 24 hours. No, wait, not even 24, 36 hours after I got the makeup done. Like it was crazy. So, so, so crazy. And then here's like the final thing, which was really, so I was, you know, itching to get back to the baby, exhausted, so tired. We shot from seven, I was there from 7 a.m. till 5 p.m. nonstop without food. Like, oh, without food. It was crazy. No, it was so, so intense. And I was so tired. And then middle of dinner, like I literally had, I had an Aperol spritz. It's my favorite drink. Uh, got a plate of food put in front of me, starving. And then I got a text that said, oh, your flight has been canceled. And I had to throw myself into the car with my friend Steven and go to the airport and try to get put on another flight and panic. Like it was not fun. So then I was sharing little snippets of, you know, I'm having a shitty day and I can't believe this happened. And then in the middle of everything, I was like venting of, oh, everything is black. Kind of like how I'm sharing now. And then I got this email from this lady, like a long thought through email about how, how can I talk, how can I complain at all? I am so, you know, I should be so grateful and I have such a perfect life and I get to go to Los Angeles for this amazing thing. And why am I complaining? Can I just shut the hell up? And, you know, and then I felt awful. Like I felt so horrible because I already had that moment arriving, like flying out of, wait, I am privileged. I need to be more grateful. Why am I complaining? I need to enjoy myself. And then going back the same thing. Like I felt like I was, I was having a horrible time, but I should, I should be enjoying myself more. I should be more grateful. I should be different. And I just kind of realized like if, if I'm not feeling it in that moment, it's okay. You know, if you're having an unhappy moment for whatever reason, it's okay. It's okay to complain. It's okay that things aren't, that you're not overly grateful and overjoyed with all that life brings you every moment of every day. Even if you have a good life, like it's okay and human to get caught up in things when they don't work. It's okay to get lost in stuff when you're having a shitty fucking time. Like it's all right. And I don't think it's healthy to pretend and to put on that big smiley face of, oh my God, all this shit is happening. I'm feeling like shit, but actually, you know, I should be happy about X, Y, and Z. So let me just put on this big smile and pretend like, no, it's okay. It's okay to vent and share and, and talk about stuff. Um, when it doesn't become okay anymore is when we get stuck in it, right? Like getting stuck in the story of how everything is always shit. Um, when we all do have things that are beautiful in life. So I think I do that pretty well. Like, I don't know, lady who sent me that email, um, you really got to me and it lingered for a while, but I think I do a pretty good job at feeling my feelings, which involves venting. And sometimes I have a whole podcast, like this podcast where I'm not entirely sure (laughs) what the fuck the topic of the podcast is, but I'm sharing an experience that I had and feelings and learnings attached to that. And usually people resonate because yeah, we all feel the same things, not always at the same time, but we all share that common humanity of sometimes feeling like absolute crap and nothing goes our way. And then the next day having a totally elevated, beautiful realization of how grateful we are and how many things we have to be grateful for. So I think we have to allow ourselves to live in those two sides of the spectrum. Like it's okay to not agree with your family and love them anyway. Right? It's okay to fight for what you believe in. It's okay to get emotional in the middle of an argument. It's okay to fight with your husband because he doesn't get you. <laughs> like, It's okay to cry because you leave your baby and it's okay to be pissed off because you missed your flight on going home. Like, 
all of it is is valid and as long as I don't get stuck in this story of how everything is so horrible and I'm a victim of of my own life because it's not true right so I think the reason I'm able to come back home because since coming home like every day it's been so good so beautiful like I have I yesterday I shared on Instagram I have moments where I cry because of how beautiful life is like I just sit there and I look at my baby and I love her so much and you know the moment me and Dennis reconciled and he actually could see okay well I get it now I didn't get it then but I get it now you know I love him so much I'm so grateful I have him in my life like I'm able to arrive back at that place of joy and of love and of gratitude because I let myself feel the shit so I guess what I'm going to leave you with is whatever it means to you you know the idea of processing do it and do it more, (laughs) do it and do it more. And it doesn't all have to be through social media. You know, it doesn't have to be all dramatic and full of, full of drama and crazy stuff, you know? And, and if you slip into that, it's all right. Just do your best to arrive back in the things that are beautiful because they are all around you. And especially during the holidays, you know, there's a lot of (laughs) like Christmas is coming, New Year's is coming. We build up this ginormous idea of having a perfect holiday time and a perfect holiday season. And, and it's stressful. Like we have a lot of stuff we have to deal with and shop and cook and bake and expectations. And then family on top of that, like we love them, but we don't always agree with what they say. Like <laughs> it's just clear. It is, it is what it is. So we have to cut ourselves some slack. You know, if you're struggling with some shit right now, acknowledge that you're struggling, share it, vent a little bit, and then move on and then move on because there is joy too. And the Christmas spirit is upon us. So I think feeling our feelings is the single best way to come back to that place of magic, which right now is the magic of Christmas. So thank you guys for, uh, for, for sticking with me through this podcast and for, for having my back. I mean, I, I don't know if I say it enough, but for everyone who, who doesn't send me kind of angry comments about things, everyone who's supportive, and there's so many of you out there who share positive little comments and and um, just sending me love from afar, like I really appreciate it. I really, really feel it. So if I, if I sometimes forget to acknowledge you, please know that I read everything and I appreciate the hell out of you every damn day. So wishing you a beautiful, beautiful rest of the day and a beautiful time with your family if that's upon you as well. And uh, I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. You can find all of these on rachelbraithen.com, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you normally get your podcasts. Don't forget to leave a review while you are there. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And of course, thanks to my sponsor, The Tots. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I will see you next week. <laughs>